Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Oh, I mean, it's Miami's offense. They've been a fraud for the last four weeks. It's all dress up. They have no offensive line. It's about offensive and defensive linemen, and their line isn't good enough. Their defensive line's hurt. This offense, for as beautiful as it looked early in the season, it looks bad now. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we made it 272 games down. The regular yeah. season has come and gone. Obviously, today, Black Monday within the league. We've already seen a number of coaching changes, which we'll get to in segment number two. But, uh, man, this is the end of the regular season, and off we go to the playoffs where we play for keeps. Yeah. Yeah, not, always a hard day in the NFL. You know, always kind of because so many people have invested so much time, energy, families. You know, you don't realize the human element of this day today. You know, it's easy for us to say, fire this coach, fire that coach. You know, you got kids in grade school, you got kids in fifth grade, you got kids in, in, in junior high, you know, high school, and then you have to move them. You know, it's a, it's a very, very difficult. Now, look, everybody's well compensated. I'm not complaining about that, but it does make it very challenging and the human element that goes into it, you have to feel sympathetic, but you know, obviously this is the business we've chosen, you know, and, and you've got to go by the rules of what happens. It's funny, you know, uh, yesterday was interesting. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that this week, Wednesday, 
Solving JFK. I made a guest appearance on Solving JFK. Matt Crumpton brought me on to talk about Lee Oswald's childhood and the youth and all the things and kind of a rebuttal episode. So that was like the highlight of my weekend. So (laughs) even though I beat Russo, you know, (laughs) for all his conversation about, you know, I got the tee box and, you know, and I got, you know, I I got a couple games I can play around with here. I'm in such good shape. I kicked his ass. So that was a good thing. (laughs) Which we say we applaud that. We applaud that. You went ahead and got us a victory there in the Russo contest. Yeah. We, we we didn't need to hear Russo talking shit all all year long. So we're glad oh, you, you went ahead and brought that. that. I just said his producer. <laughs> I said his producer, like, you got to save that clip about, you know, I, I got some games to play with. I can take a chance here. There's, you know, and then, you know. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can't take a chance. We said it at the time, though, when he took that lead on you, said still a lot of football left to be going. We were confident yeah. that you were going to go I ahead and I've take gone- the lead. After that game, I went uh, I went nine and two after that game. Boom. No, I'm sorry, seven and two. I went seven and two to close them out. And, and I got, you know, and yesterday the 49ers kind of back I got backdoored on them. Carson Wentz quarterback scramble killed me. But I thought I thought yesterday I had a good day handicapping the the essence of the games, right? You know, like what game to stay away from, what game to play. So it was an enjoyable day to watch the games. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about the saying, lay it and laugh. How about uh, Cincinnati against Cleveland? My goodness. I mean, that thing was done from the jump street. The Browns had no interest in being in that game. But we'll get into all that stuff. Obviously, we mentioned Black Monday, the coaching changes, Ron Rivera fired by the Commanders, Arthur Smith fired by the Atlanta Falcons, and then Scott Fitterer, the general manager, fired by the Carolina Panthers. We'll break all that down coming up a little bit later. But let's talk about the game that we lack. Last saw Sunday night football in Miami. Buffalo wins the division after starting six and six left for dead. The Buffalo Bills now your two seed in the AFC playoffs. They beat the Dolphins 21-14. And I was on Miami in this game, Michael, and I feel like I had the wrong side because Buffalo probably should have won this going away with the amount of red zone woes that they had. But they were able to get the win nonetheless. Well, but, you know, during the game, too, though, I think I was on Miami, too, just because I thought Miami would play good defense. And, and I think they did. You know, I, I think they really did. I mean, I know he threw for over 300 yards, but they got you know, people say, well, they got lucky with the turnovers. I mean, look, they were zero pressure on the first turnover. Allen threw it away. You know, fourth and two, they go for it. He throws it away. They force another fumble. I mean, you know, th- those are not unlucky. Those are you making plays. And you knew that Miami was going to have to rope-a-dope it because that one corner situation that they had because of Howard being out, they got picked on a couple plays. Uh, You know, look, Miami's a wounded dog. Miami loses this game because the start of the second half, they come out and, you know, they they can't get a first down, Femi. Mm -hmm. I mean, they start the second half, they go three and out, one possession in the third quarter. Then they go four and out, three and out three and out, and then they have the last drive where they got a chance to tie it, right? They got a chance to tie it, and they throw the pick. And everybody wants to blame Claypool for, you know, he didn't cut off his route. They were playing cover two man, man under two deep. Like, that that was going to have to be a great throw. The safety broke on the ball immediately. I mean, he was over there in a minute. I don't know how, you know, it's amazing how everybody absolves Tua for any mistake that goes on. And and look, as you say, you're on the wrong side. It took a 90 yard punt return to beat your ass. Yeah, it did. Because Buffalo, middle of the game, it felt like they were a little bit stagnant. They really couldn't get anything going there. But it, the red zone issues for Buffalo, I mean, that'll be something that we can probably talk about going forward and the the recklessness in which they play with the football. Josh Allen being the the quarterback there. But for Miami. 
it, it was just it felt like it was there for the taking at the end. Uh, uh, Tyreek had a couple of drops. That's going to be something going forward here to where we got to monitor this Tyreek thing because he's clearly a shell of himself out there limping yeah. after a lot of tackles. He doesn't quite look right. And obviously, I'm sure uh, a very tough week for him with what happened with his house on fire and all that stuff. Maybe he was kind of distracted, which any of us would be in that instance there. But he just didn't look like himself. And for Miami, after that second quarter, they just were shut out in quarters one, three and four. And that's not good enough when you're playing a team like Buffalo with a quarterback like Josh Allen. No, I mean, look, they've scored. Look, in the last two weeks against Baltimore and against Buffalo, they scored 33 points. I mean, you know, they haven't been able and they turned the ball over five times. 33 points in five times, you're not beating anybody with that. I mean, they're fortunate they were able to beat Dallas. They had the five field goals. They haven't played good. They really haven't been good on offense for a while. You know, you could say, well, the Jet game. I mean, the second half of the season, this offensive numbers have been steady on a decline. Injuries, yes, I get that, right? Offensive line, they've got it all over the place. Defensive line, they lost, they lost Van Ginkle yesterday, last, yesterday in the game. Yeah. I mean, they're beat up. I mean, they're going to go into Kansas City and face the polar vortex of it's going to be zero degrees, wind coming everywhere. And, you know, whether they can get some of these guys back healthy, I don't know. But this team, you know, for all what they looked like early in the year to end up being a six seed, it's somewhat disappointing. And for me, it's disappointing because they lost so many. I thought their defense could carry them. Right. I, I really did. I, I knew their offense was going to take a tailspin. Because it's just not enough physicality in their offense. However, I was counting on their defense. They lose Chubb. They lose Phillips. I mean, they lost too many good players. It's hard to overcome that. It really is. You, you, no matter how good of a coach Vic Fangio is, it's hard to overcome that. And to hold my Buffalo that way to 21 points, really 14, he, Vic's got to be sitting there saying, wait a minute, where's all these geniuses on offense? Aren't we supposed to be an offensive team here? Where, where are they? Yeah, it was the perfect you lose You lose one player. You know, and we can't score. I mean, I think there's a, something you got to revisit. And look, I, I'll say it. I'll keep saying it. Two is a good player, accurate, all those things. But, you know, here's got a chance to win the game or tie the game. And it was not a good read there from two. Which, uh, shout out to Chase Claypool. We've been wondering where he's been all season. And he f- pops up in the, the final week of the regular season. Uh, this from uh, Shaquille Kapadia, though, he tweeted about Miami's point differential against playoff teams. In the regular season, they were one in five with a negative 91 point differential against playoff teams. Only the Giants and Commanders had worse point differentials against playoff teams. And that's going to be the story. Mike McDaniel was asked about it uh, after the game and said, hey, like this is going to be the narrative until we prove that we can do it. And like, like until yeah. we do it, people are going to keep asking those questions and keep pushing that story. I mean, you got to be able to sit there and say to yourself, okay, yeah, we put up all these great numbers, right? We can do some amazing things. We got some amazing skill players. We're explosive. But how many weeks in a row have I said, the more third downs you force them into, the worse they become, right? And that's because they have no power in their offense. They can't play with power. Everything is directed around trying to make sure the quarterback gets rid of the ball quickly and they don't have to, and they don't come off the ball. They don't play with any power. They've been fortunate. I mean, think about it. They played, you know, they played a bad Carolina team. They played a bad Raider team at the time when they played them, right? I mean, you know, Washington, they played the AFC South. I mean, they played Tennessee. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think if you're, if you are there, they got some hard decisions ahead of them. Can they go into Kansas City and win? I don't know. Not that Kansas City's playing great, but this is a good matchup for Kansas City. You get a, a warm weather team coming into that bitter cold. 
And if you can stop Miami from running the ball and don't give up the big explosive plays, you're going to have a chance to win this game. And in Miami, with all these banged up pass rushers, if Mahomes is able to play five Mississippi, uh, I don't see that going well for that defense. As, as, as great a coordinator as Vic Fangio is, Mahomes, I get that his pass catchers are bad this year, but if he gets five Mississippi, that's going to be tough for you to stop that Kansas City offense, though. So Buffalo is able to clinch the AFC East. They'll take on Pittsburgh. Obviously, we'll get into these games a little bit later on this week here. But we did see, though, in the AFC South Saturday night, Houston goes into Indianapolis, gets the win against the Colts there, 23-19. to And this is one where that final drive, I think, is going to keep replacing playing in Colts fans' heads all offseason long. Uh, the Minshew pass to Goodson, and Goodson drops it on fourth and one, which there were some errors prior to that, but that's the play that I think a lot of Colts fans are going to be uh, wishing they had back uh, this offseason. Well, look, look, the whole sequence was horrible, right? I mean, first of all, you know, Taylor was gassed and put Moss in the game. You know, like you can't trust the biggest play of the game to good. It's not fair to that kid. You know, that kid stood up and took it. I kind of feel bad. He's taken all the heat for it. Could he caught the ball? Sure. Could it have been a better throw? No doubt. Right. No question. Could they have stopped them on second and 20 when they had a chance? Yeah. But the problem that the Colts have, and this is a bigger problem that goes beyond the game, is they play so soft on defense that when the team's in second and 20 and they can throw a, a flat route and get 16 yards and now you're in third and four, you know, you, you lose the ability to be aggressive defensively. And that's something that's stiking. I think this is a clear, if you're a Colt fan, you, you, you have a really good play caller as your head coach. You have a really good play caller. He's a really good designer, but he's going to have to become a head coach. He's going to have to, for you to advance where you want to go, he's got to take a mother may I step forward and say, okay, I'm the head coach of the team and here's what I want to do. I, I can't run an offense that's like this if I'm not having a complimentary defense, if I'm going to play soft, right? If you go through their seasons, Femi, and you look at their numbers, right? And you see, well, they rank 28th in points allowed. They rank 24th in yards. And then you put the quarterbacks that they faced against them. You sit there and say, well, wait a minute. But when we get to the other side, I think the question has to be asked, who does Shane Steichen want to be? Does he want to be a play caller or does he want to be a head coach? Yeah, that's a really important question because as a play caller, like you mentioned, really, really good, as you can see based on what's going on in Philadelphia. Like Shane Steichen, clearly a really, really good play caller, but – uh, they just they, that defense is just so bad and they were a team that if you bet the overall season long you were probably making a whole lot of money unfortunately that defense was not able to get any stops when it mattered in this game cj stroud was terrific 20 of 26 264 two touchdowns and i mean a tremendous tremendous job that D'Amico ryan's did at head coach the texans who thought they were playing for their playoff lives all of a sudden win their division we'll get into the other afc south ramifications as well as black monday as we keep it rolling here on the GM Show. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, 
as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game, my new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. So you were asking me as we were heading to break here, Michael, does Shane Steichen, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, does he want to be a head coach or does he want to be a play caller? And can he take that step forward this offseason? I guess what does he need to do to kind of differentiate between the two? Because he's really good as a play caller, but and we want to keep that, but we still need him to kind of see the big picture, though, as well. But he needs to see players, right? You, you put Goodson on the field in that situation. You're going to go down with that. That's the call. You wasted time. You wasted 40 seconds to call a timeout when you could have just. If you're going to call that play, you got to be prepared. We're going to say this now for the next month. These games coming up this weekend, the weekend after, the weekend after are all going to be decided on who executes on short yardage. That's why the Eagles are so good in these kind of situations. They're not playing well right now, but converting third and one, converting third and two. We saw it yesterday with Jacksonville. Inability to do that. When you can't do that. You're not going to win these kind of close games because it always comes down to that one possession play. So, you know, he doesn't have a – he's not ready for that. And, you know, go back to the Cleveland game, the whole misstep of the Cleveland at the end of the half where he basically loses the Cleveland game because of his play calling. And so I think what he has to do is – and this is – I'm not being critical of attacking him. What I'm trying to say to him is you have great potential to be a great coach. You really do. Now, you just haven't been around a head coach really before who does this. So there's really – you don't have any way of knowing this, right? You've been around play callers as head coaches. So you're going to have to kind of get yourself educated on what it takes to be a head coach. Like, I got to make better decisions at the end of half. So I got to make better decisions in crunch time. You know, I got to be able to handle these things, and I got to be able to put some pressure – on the defensive coaches to play more aggressively. Like, I know he and Gus Bradley are really close friends, but, you know, that friendship can't get in the way of what he visualizes for the off for the defense. Most of these guys who are play callers, they're scared to go in the defensive room because they don't know enough about defense to say this is what they want. So they back out. He's got to take that approach. Look, this is what I want. This is what I want defensively for the Indianapolis coach. I'm the head coach. If you can't get that to me, then we're going to have to find somebody else. Because when you go through the quarterbacks where they rank it and you look at who they've played, I mean, they haven't really played a good – I mean, obviously Straub was sensational, right? You know, but we knew Straub was going to be great in the game because the week before, Aiden O'Connell looked like Peyton Manning. 
So this is what I'm talking about. Like for all the offseason planning the Colts have to do, we need a better this, we need a better that. Nothing is more important for the Colts than solving that thing with Shane Steichen. And that's how they can ultimately go to the next level here in a division that Houston right now has it. They won the division. They have a bright future. But Indianapolis, I I think like all that in, in mind, probably has a bright future as well based on what they've gotten from the play calling aspect of Shane Steichen. They just need him to take another step forward and then make him potentially go ahead and win that division because they contended for it. And it feels like a year ago or so, everyone thought that this division was going to be ran by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who absolutely collapsed in the second half of this season. Michael, they started the year 8-3, and three, finished 9-8, and eight, and missed the playoffs. They had every opportunity to clinch the South. They couldn't do it. They lose yesterday 28-20 to to the Tennessee Titans. No playoffs for them. Trevor Lawrence, 280 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. But defensively, I mean, it was just a disgusting performance. Derrick Henry in that run game, I mean, 175 yards on 26 carries. Uh, Tennessee just beat him up there and, and made it a, a street fight, and Jacksonville wasn't up for the task. Well, I mean, they won three games after the bye week, right? They're they're six and two going into the bye. They have a good win in Pittsburgh on the road. They're six and two, right? They got a big game against San Francisco, lay an egg. You know, they have three wins the second half of the season against a bad Tennessee team, a Houston team, and, and, and the Carolina Panther team, right? Who was, you know, just horrible. And so, like, this is, again, you got a huge contract you're going to have to pay Lawrence. You willing to pay him? Well, you're not willing to face the alternative of not paying them, right? Your defense is – your team's soft. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but there's no physical toughness to the team. And so I'm sure if, if I'm Trent Balky, you know, I've got to sit there and say, okay, we got Doug. He's the coach, supposed to be an offensive guru. You know, we're better than we were when Urban was here. How much better are we? And I don't see the progress in Lawrence. I think it's going to be a really fascinating offseason for, for Jacksonville because they really underachieved if you look at their talent level, especially on defense. I mean, on defense, they really were bad. They couldn't stop the pass. You know, that game only got close late. And then, you know, when the details have to matter, you know, they, they can't win the game. And so they end up nine and eight and they flounder at the second half of the season. So, I, I, I mean, look, it didn't surprise me. Because I kept saying all year they don't have any toughness, and they're, here's their win streak. Okay, let's put this in perspective. They go to they beat Atlanta over there in Europe. They beat Buffalo in Europe off of the Miami win. They caught Buffalo at the right time. Milano gets hurt in that game. Yep. They come back. They beat the Colts. They beat the Saints on a Thursday night, right in New Orleans, and then they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, tell me a quarterback that they beat besides Josh Allen. And then they get blown out by San Francisco, right? When Baltimore went down there, we were all on Baltimore because we knew they weren't going to score on Baltimore. So for all this talk that they're this great offense and Lawrence and Doug's made everybody better, where is the offense? Against the good teams, where is it? It's the same argument I have with all those people that are telling me I'm an idiot for not trusting fields. I told you this last week. Watch the Cleveland game. First play of the Packer game. The first play of the Packer game. Joe Barry, even Joe Barry, who I didn't hear from Big Daddy the entire day. Now, he claims <laughs> he claims he didn't know what was going on. He claims he was taking his girlfriend out for her birthday. He lost he just cell didn't service. Really know. This is all. This is all. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Right. It, from the first play of the game, they attacked. They attacked him inside. They built the umbrella pressure against Fields, and he had no game. Like He had no game. 
And so you only can measure your team against the good teams. That's all you can do. And, and when you measure this, if you have an elite coach who won a Super Bowl, right? Tell me what, what's wrong then. Is it players, coaches, or scheme? I'm sure Balky's sitting there saying, well, we got really good players. And I'm sure Doug's sitting there saying, we don't really have good players. I, there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be – it's going to be an issue offseason for Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how the seats are not scorching hot in Jacksonville based on like the, this division was not some tall mountain to climb here. Like it was rookie no. quarterback, rookie head coach in Houston, same situation in Indianapolis, and obviously Tennessee was on the downward spiral like heading into this season. Like this was like this was supposed to be Jacksonville get to the postseason, try to take that next step, and instead they took the step backwards to where the the absence of details. I think what you said is the biggest thing when I watch Jacksonville play undisciplined. They don't do the little things well. I mean, they have Tennessee pinned down on the first yard line there. They jump off sides to give them a little bit of breathing. Like stuff like that that adds up in the in the, in the wash to where you do that enough times, you're going to lose too many of these games as they did down the stretch and all of a sudden now you're on the outside looking into where everyone in Jacksonville's mad about the OC press Taylor and all that stuff here, but at some point he, the head coach has to take advantage of that coach. as well. I mean, <laughs> exactly. he's calling the game. Why are you going to blame Press Taylor? Exactly. I mean, poor Press Taylor is taking the bullet it's on I mean, it, you know, he's getting they, they killed have no on physical, they, they have no <laughs> physicality up front. They can't knock anybody off the ball. It's too easy to throw it. They're sixth in the National Football League in attempting passes. Everybody loves them because they go. For, how about the how about the game decisions the guy made yesterday? If he kicks the field goal, I said to Millie, I'm watching the game. If he just kicks the field goal here, he keeps himself in the game. Of course, he goes for it, doesn't get it. Right. You know, I mean, he, you know, he's 44 percent on third down for the year. On fourth down for the year, 44%. His defense gave up 51%. Like, I, he mismanages the game. And he doesn't give himself a chance to win it. I mean, if it's 28-23 when he's down there on the goal line, he's going to win the game. But, of course, naturally, we don't want three points because we have an NBA mentality. We're just going to shoot threes and not take twos, which makes no sense at all in football. Like, he had a chance to score points. I know he was down by two scores, but he had more possessions to get it. But Peterson's have been this way this whole time, and people love him for it. I mean, you're talking about a game. You're talking about this game in game. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, you know, look, you can blame Press Taylor all you want. They're not going to be tough enough. They're never going to. And now you got, now you got Stroud down there. You don't even have the best quarterback in the, in the South. Yeah. Like and this was supposed to be your division, and now you have Stroud, and who knows? Maybe Steichen figures this thing out with Richardson. Like that, that South that they thought that they were going to be able to kind of grab control of after winning the division last year, all of a sudden uh, it's not looking too good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who spent a ton of money last off season to improve the team. Now the cap situation, you got to figure that out. Are you paying Lawrence? Are you paying Josh Allen, who had a career year, 17 sacks as well? Like he's going to want that kind of max contract for a pass rusher. Big contracts are due down the line here for Jacksonville, and we'll see if they're able to build out the rest of that roster. The O-line needs some help as well uh, for the Jaguars. Let's start our coaching discussion here. We'll obviously have more of it on the other side of the C block, and we'll finish out the other games in the D. Um, obviously, the coaching changes that we saw, not surprising. It's stuff that we had talked about earlier on this podcast podcast as we were heading down the stretch here but Ron Rivera relieved of his duties in Washington and Arthur Smith fired in Atlanta after the way that game ended last last night there I mean that was just ridiculous that whole ending with Dennis Allen but uh what are your kind of your thoughts on this and we'll obviously carry on the conversation on the other side well, well let's start with the Dennis Allen thing first of all it's not Dennis Allen it's not it's not 
it's Arthur Smith's team to stop them, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think way too, Arthur Smith was just getting pissed off because he knew he was going to get fired. Like, like everybody thinks, though, that they were disrespecting the, the authority of the coach. I don't think so. I, I think that that team was connected. I think they wanted to help out a player. And I think they took it upon themselves to do it. I, I don't think that they were being disloyal or, or uh, you know, or, or kind of looking past it. I think they were trying to help out their buddy. And it's your job on defense to stop them. It's not their job to keep – nobody – did Sean Payton complain to Mike to, – to, to McDaniels when he put 70 on him? Right. I mean, that's your that's your gig. That's you know, you got to stop them. That's what we pay. This is the NFL. This isn't college football. We're not a division two team playing a division one team here. Right. Like we're pros. Stop them. It's your job. Like I thought it was ridiculous. Here's what I will say. I thought the press release and Washington is going to require way more. The press release on Atlanta was very telling. And here's what it said. It said that Rich McKay and Arthur Blank will lead the search. They'll take input from Fontenot the general manager, Terry Fontenot. That tells me Fontenot's gone. That tells me they're going to clean house. That tells me they're big game hunting. And if something happens up in New England, I think they're going to be big game hunting on him. And they should. And they should. If I'm Arthur Blank and I have a chance to go get the greatest coach of all time, I'm coming. Yeah. And, yeah. and as Uncle Junior said, I'm coming heavy. <laughs> Don't come at all. Let's come heavy. Uh, yeah, that's a very, very interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about that on the other side as well as the Washington Commanders coaching search as well. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I want to pick up with what you said, Michael, in the last segment there that Terry Fontenot probably not safe because I think a lot of people interpreted the input from Terry Fontenot, the general manager, as, okay, it sounds like he'll be back another year. Is this sort of Arthur Blank kind of hedging his bet here to see if maybe he can get a, 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 a big splash and then kind of clean house? Or if they don't get the big splashes, then Fontenot returning for 2024? I'm not sure he's going to trust Fontenot to return. I mean, you know, I think when you're 7-10, and 7-10, 7-10, and 10, 7 and 10, 
and the guy who's in charge of player personnel keeps picking skill players, and you're the slowest team in the National Football League. I mean, they have no speed, Femi. They can't make explosive plays if you pay attention to it. Everybody talks about, oh, they got Kyle Pitts. Oh, they got uh, Drake London. Oh, they got Bijan Robinson. The, Drake London don't run fast. He don't, he don't clear it out. Kyle Pitts, I've said this the day they drafted him. The day they drafted him. He's, he's a big receiver. And, and because he don't block anybody, you can't gain any advantage. Now, is he not a good player? Yeah, he's a good player. But if he can't block, you can't you can't get the matchup you want. Yeah. Okay. And Robinson's a really good player. But didn't you think you you had Algier and you had Cordell Patterson? Couldn't you have used a three technique? Couldn't you have used Jalen Carter to be disruptive inside? You're only 30 miles down the road from him. If you don't know that player, who do you know? Like, so for me, I, I don't think Arthur can be sitting there saying, well, this guy really knows how to build a team. You know, I, I don't think he does. And so I think he's going to be in the hot seat. I think everybody in Atlanta should be on the hot seat because I think it's one of the things that nobody in that building seems to know how to build a team. I mean, they paid some of the linemen, but are they good enough to get the contracts that they got? So, I, I mean, look, to me, when he said this, knowing his age, knowing his, the you know, the, first of all, these guys have so much wealth that they're going to go out. They want to buy the best that they can buy. I mean, I think I think ultimately, whatever the resolution is in New England, you know, and, and I don't know what that will be. I really don't. You know, I, I can only read the tea leaves because no one's ever said we want Bill back from anybody. And we've all seen the leaks of he can't draft not, you know, he needs to take away this or that. That, that comes from somewhere. I mean, you know, it makes it sound like you won six Super Bowls with a bunch of free agents. <laughs> OK. Right. James White just showed up. I don't know how he got there. Shaq Mason just showed up. I don't know how he got there. You know, I mean, you know, Rob, uh, Rob Ninkovich, he just showed up. I don't know how you got there. Right. Jamie Collins. I mean, you want all these Super Bowls, Alan Branch, you know, uh, Akeem Hicks, when that front that you won the Super Bowls with, they just showed up. Well, it was, it was all Brady. You're forgetting. I know. I understand that. You know, I understand it. It was him. Of course, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have enough weapons. He needs help. Well, let's not forget that kind of a conversation, right? You know, it's like, let's not. Like, I love these people that put that out there. Belichick without Brady. How about Shula without Marino? <laughs> How about George Hallis in some of his games when he didn't have a quarterback? I, I think to me, it's just a joke. However, that being said, I do think there's going to be some of these teams that, that are going to wait and see what happens in New England and then try to go through the process. Now, you say Tennessee. Well, Tennessee is an interesting place because, you know, they have there is conflict within the building. And there's no doubt. Everybody's now reporting it. Yeah. All right. You've been, and, you've been saying Vrabel that earlier. Has, yeah. And Vrabel has two years left on a deal. Vrabel's represented by Neil Cormich, who's a Cleveland based attorney. And he's also representing Bill Belichick. So there's a lot of conversation. Well, Vrabel, can, can he move? Can they trade him to New England? I truly believe that the Tennessee Titans ownership group is smart enough to realize they have something very good in Mike Rabel. And I think they got to find a way to make that happen, to make him comfortable, whatever that is. And, you know, you just hired Rand Carthon. Maybe you bring somebody in to help Rand Carthon become a better general manager. You don't have to hire somebody. I mean, I just saw Rick Spielman took a job consulting with Washington. I mean, they got more people in Washington consulting. Again, the, you know, 
committee. We got this committee meeting going on. You know, they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. Break, uh, maybe hire Rick Spielman or someone like him to help Rand Carthon become a better GM, to understand what the role is of a GM. See, I don't think a lot of these people understand really what a GM does. Everybody just focuses on the draft. Well, you, dra you screwed up this pick. You screwed up that pick. The job of the general manager is twofold. His number one job is to get a quarterback and to get a great head coach. Those are the two things he has to have. Now, Carton hasn't been able to get the quarterback. He drafted Levis. That ain't the answer. But he's got a great head coach. And then the second part of the GM's job is to help the head coach become great. That's the key. That, when you go to work in the morning, that's what you should, if you're a general manager, that's what you're looking at. That's my job. Help the, get a great head coach and get a quarterback. And don't sleep until you do. So, like, and everybody thinks, well, you got to pick the fourth rounder. The fourth rounder doesn't matter if you don't have the right head coach. Right? The, the right tackle doesn't mean anything if you don't have the right head coach. So, like, I think we get lost in that. And I think some of these guys who go from San Francisco where they go and they become general managers, they don't understand really what their job is. They think their job is to have great drafts. True. you got to have really good players. But you got to build the team the right way. And I think we get putting these guys in jobs. It's unfair to Carthon. So get them some help. And that might help Vrabel's keep him. You can't lose Vrabel. You can't lose Vrabel. You're not going to replace Vrabel if you let him go. I don't think they will, but you can't lose him. Yeah, no, it'd be silly to lose Mike Vrabel. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. We've talked about that a bunch here on the pod. But what do you think is going to be the timeline in New England? Because obviously, like a lot of people are curious to get your thoughts on this since you have a very good relationship with the head coach and and you're really close with him. Do you think that this is something that will come out later on this week? If teams are sort of waiting to see this development and and do they part ways? Is it a trade situation? What has to kind of go into it to try to acquire a Bill Belichick? What do you think the timeline is going to look like here this week at least? I mean, I, I'm only going by what Mike Reese reported. I have I've talked to Bill about many other things besides this, because this is he, he's not going to discuss this because I know him too well to know he's living in the moment. His focus was on the Jets last week. So I, I think to me, Mike Reese reported they're supposed to have some kind of meeting today. And I don't know what will take take place in that meeting. You know, I don't know where the crafts want to go what they want to do. I think Adam Schefter's report, he had this in his column, and I think it's kind of true. There was a time where Dan Reeves said, when he had, excuse me, the Pat Boland said about Dan Reeves, I wanted my franchise back. You know, if that's the case in New England, do the Crafts want their franchise back? Because they've been, they, they've allowed Bill to run it, and obviously winning six Super Bowls is a smart thing. Then, then you know, there's going to be some changes. But if they if they want to fix it and bring in some other guy to help Bill and personnel, whether it's, you know, Pioli, whether it's Nick Cesario comes back, I'm just making shit up here, then, you know, then maybe that's what they do. I don't know. But for me, I think that's going to be the conversation. And I think to me, both parties have to really spend a lot of time understanding that the pillar of this franchise will always be identified by those six Super Bowls. And he was the coach of those six Super Bowls, and he deserves the respect of whether they're going to threat, send him out there that those six Super Bowls have brought to the franchise, just like he deserves to respect the people that gave him the opportunity to do that. So there's got to be that mutual respect.
which I mean, maybe that's what's going on in the meeting right now or whenever it's supposed to take place later on today. And Belichick did acknowledge that he is under contract and that things need to be fixed. So obviously, if a team were to try to acquire him, there would have to be some sort of compensation with New England and all of that stuff, kind of similar to what we saw with Sean Payton yeah. leaving New Orleans to go to Denver out of retirement here. But he, he did say, though, that he would be open to relinquishing personnel control if that collectively was viewed to help the team. So uh, it, it's not a situation where he has to be the GM. Is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, I, I mean, look, he's never he's never been that way. He's always been a collaborative guy. Like, like, I mean, I got to be honest with you. Like, I watch Bailey Zappi. I, I I don't know how he became a fourth round pick because he doesn't really fit the profile of what we did in Cleveland and when I was there in New England, you know. But they drafted him. Now, I I can't imagine that Bill was like, oh, I really like this guy. I want to pick him because that's not typical of his thing. So I think he's getting help. I'm not trying to blame anybody here. He's always been collaborative, whether it's been from the coaches or from the people in personnel, whether it's Elliot Wolf, Matt Groh, whether it's been Nick, whether it's Dave Ziegler, any of those guys. I mean, if they have a good – if they make a good point, he's going to listen. So I don't think that's the issue. I think who's going to put together the 53 is is an issue. Like, I want to be able to control my team and I want to be able to hire my staff. Right? I mean, that's that's really important to me. I think this is going to be obviously one of the more fascinating coaching decisions in league history with what Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick has done um, throughout his career with six Super Bowls. How about in Washington, though? We, we figured that this was coming. We talked about it pretty much the whole second half of the season. Ron Rivera fired by the commanders, and Josh Harris said that, hey, like uh, they're, they're going to go ahead and have this committee that goes and searches for the new coach. Magic Johnson will be a part of that committee. Bob Myers, who they just hired, will be a part of as a consultant here for the commanders, the, the former Golden State Warriors general manager from the NBA. So uh, it's going to be an, an interesting approach here from Josh Harris, who has an NBA background owning the Philadelphia 76ers, your beloved team. But uh, uh, on we go now with Washington as they try to get their next head coach. And they're keeping Rivera, they're keeping Mayhew and they're keeping Marty Herney involved in the search as well, because both Spielman and Myers are part time, you know, so that's a lot of people involved in really as, asking the fundamental question, who are we, right? Who are we? What do we want to be? Like, what do we want to be and how do we want to build this organization? How do we want to develop the, the character and the content that we need to be able to put a really good product that has sustainability? You know, that's a lot of people. A lot of people are going to put a lot of ingredients into that soup. That'll be interesting to see. I think Meyer, I mean, I've listened to his podcast. I think he's outstanding. He's smart. Uh, I've learned every time I've listened to him talk, I've learned something from him. I think he can only help the situation. I think Rick can probably help Bob understand the NFL and the workings within it. So it kind of works together. And then you got Herney and Mayhew. And they're already put in requests to talk to Aaron Glenn. They've already put in requests to talk to Ben Johnson. But to me, I think when you start to put the request in to do that, you're glossing over what is your real issue. What is your real issue? See, we wrote about this for the Daily Coach today. The, the, the understanding what's wrong with your team, understanding what it takes to rebuild, allows you to find the candidate to help you rebuild. Do you think Washington understands what they need to rebuild? I, I, I'm assuming that they're looking at the hot names right now, which is Ben Johnson. Everyone's kicked his name around since last offseason. So, uh, yeah, on the other side, the, they're looking for they're looking for a, call, a play call. They're looking for somebody to, to dress it up. Yeah. They need a they need a culture. They need a structure. They need an organization. They need a system that's way different than hiring a coordinator. 
couple guys out there that know about culture, Bill Belichick, and maybe even Jim Harbaugh as well. We'll wrap up the pod on the other side. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, we'll get to the awards a little bit later on here in this segment, but wanted to wrap up the coaching discussion as, as it pertains to the Washington Commanders. Uh, the Commanders, Michael, are, are casting a very, very wide net here, at least early on. They're going to uh, interview Raheem Morris, or they have at least requested permission to sure. interview the sure. Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. There. And that's You think that's a good one? He's, he was a head coach a long, long time ago, but yeah, he's been was, a really good he DC. He was so young. Yeah. He was so young as a head coach. I don't think it's fair to him. I'm sure he's he's vastly improved from that point. But look, here's my issue is until they know what they want, how can they search? So what that tells me is what they're doing is they're tr- they're exploring who's they're exploring what people say. Like I, I'm of the belief that you have to have a kind of a and a vision of what you want the company to be. And maybe Josh Harris does that. Maybe he wants to, because they've also put in some requests to interview uh, GMs. I mean, I, I'm, I heard they're going to interview Adam Peters out of San Francisco, uh, the assistant in, in Kansas City. I hear they're, so they're going to, so maybe he wants to set up a structure like he has at the 76ers, a, a GM and then the coach. Got it. Okay, I get that. But football's a little different now. It's a little different. The lines of demarcation are a lot closer and it becomes a little muddier because is the coach going to let the assistant coaches have say? Is the assistant coaches going to rule the head coach? Because if you're the GM and you have that dynamic, then all of a sudden you're a prisoner to whether the running back coach likes the player or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if the coach is listening to the running back coach and he doesn't like the player, then okay, now he's out. So there's so much that, that takes way more than that. It takes a, a kind of a, a bridge of philosophies from two people, two people, because the only two people in the building, and I've said this before, there's only two people in the building that pay to win, the head coach and the GM. Everybody else can get other jobs based on how they perform. You gain a lot of yards, you'll get a job. Stop people on defense, you'll get a job. You know, you develop a wide receiver, you'll get a job. That nothing to do with winning. So until you get a coach that understands that, until you get the G, that you get that dynamic, then it becomes hard. But right now, what they look like they're doing is they're searching for what they don't know. And as the as Larry Boy's assistant, I don't know his name, has one of the greatest lines of all time in The Sopranos, where he says, "You know, Larry Boy don't like going into the unknown, not knowing." <laughs> and I look like a little bit like this Washington search is going into the unknown, not knowing. Now, clearly, clearly, they, they made a decision on Rivera long ago. They got Spielman in place. They got Myers in place. You know, they didn't promote the enemy, which I'm telling you is a telltale sign of what they think of what was going on in their building. Doesn't, it doesn't say the enemy's a bad coach. It doesn't say the enemy shouldn't interview. I'm just saying, if they thought the enemy had the chance to be a great coach, they could have fired, they could have put him in charge eight weeks ago and evaluated him. They didn't. 
So that tells you a lot you need to know there. I, I, I just wonder, to me, I think they need a philosophy and an understanding of who they are first. And then you find people that fit that. So it seems like, I don't know if there's confusion or if everything is just open to interpretation and evaluation, but uh, Josina Anderson, who does, I believe, stuff for CBS, or, um, yeah, CBS Sports NFL Insider, she said that Marty Mayhew and also Marty Herney, their jobs will be, quote, under evaluation by the new president of football operations. So they've already gone and sort of interviewing people or requesting people for the new GM job. So it feels like under evaluation feels like for the president. I think what they're going to do is what, what she's reporting there is accurate. She's saying they're what they're putting slips in for, for these people is to be president of the team. Now, Jason Wright's president of the team, but maybe he's president on the business side of the team. So what they're saying is they're going to get a global football man who's president of the team. Now, I'm just telling you, I don't give a shit what anybody tells me. There's nobody ready for that job that hasn't done that job. Like, that's a hard-ass job to run an entire football operation. And you've only been an area scout or you've been a pro director or you've been a player personnel director. Like, that's a really hard job. Like, that's a really hard job. And I can honestly say from experience that if when I was in my 40s, I'd have had no chance to do that job. No chance. Way too big. Way too big. But this is where they're going to go. And I'm sure they're going to find somebody from that analytical community can become the pre. This is a big ass. If you're going to give the guy the president title to oversee all football operations and he has no real experience in that managing so many different departments, good luck. It's a t- tough offseason for the Washington Commanders, but Josh Harris seems like he's a hey, they, they, they want a clean slate here and, and our nation's capital and we'll see what they do. But they're already casting a pretty wide net for the head coaching job and appears to be casting a wide net for the GM job, at least according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. We'll find out what happens later on this week and in the weeks to come here. But real quick on the Carolina side, they let go general manager Scott Fitterer there. Were you surprised by that? Because like, we were talking about this when Frank Reich got fired and said, hey, is Fitterer safe? Where's his standing with the, the owner, David Tepper? But apparently Tepper wants to clean house entirely there. And maybe this is also angling to potentially go for a pretty big fish as well. Well, I mean, the big fish that they have is really, let's be honest, the big fish is Tepper himself. Right. So I, I think you got to you got to take. A, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure where that goes. Right. So I, I think to me, I'm surprised that Scott got fired and, you know, Dan Morgan's still there. The Scott brought Dan Morgan in. You know, and so I, I don't know where this all goes. Uh, you know, Dan Morgan going to take over. I was told Dan Morgan's perhaps, you know, really kind of endeared himself to Tepper's wife. And Tepper's hired a consulting firm. I don't know. Like, it seems a little strange that that you're going to fire the GM and his number two guy who was advising him all along on some of the stuff is still in the building. Now, maybe you want to do it for continuity. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not judging here. I'm just making a conversation. So yeah. that that was a little strange. But I think Scott kind of knew the, the volatility of Carolina. Somebody's always going to pay a price down in Carolina. Somebody yeah. always will. 
Yep. They they will they will hold everybody accountable based on what's going on, except maybe the uh, the big fish in charge, the owner. Maybe he won't be held accountable, which is uh, problematic for Panthers fans going forward. All right, let's get to the awards for Week 18. Obviously, a little bit different tenor of a pod on a Monday. The games, I mean, a lot of the games didn't have a whole lot of meaning there. We'll obviously break down the playoff games coming up a little bit later on this week. But let's hand out the awards nonetheless. Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week, and it's Saturday night, what we've seen down in Houston. And almost, yeah. it could be the Fred Palermo of the year with this Houston Texans thing. No question. Great job. C.J. Stroud, from where he came from, from the first throw that he wouldn't even throw the out against New England in a preseason game to where he is today, remarkable, right? Just truly remarkable. And great game plan. They kind of hung in there. They ran the football effectively, you know, and they made the plays at the end of the game that they had to play. They got some help from the Colts. They couldn't stop the run. You know, they're going to play a Cleveland team that's wounded in terms of their front. But if they don't stop the run against Cleveland, and we know Cleveland's been thrown at 42 times a game with Flacco, it'll be an issue. But you got to take your hat. They did a great job winning a playoff game because this essence was a playoff game. You got a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach win a playoff game. Got to give them credit for that. Yeah, Cleveland is a, a two and a half point favorite, but we'll get into those lines later on. On the lamb, who's going on the lamb? I mean, Jacksonville, I think it's going to be a tough offseason for Jacksonville because when you underachieve as a team, then that starts the Civil War, right? That starts the Civil War. Players are better than we have. That's going to be a real interesting offseason there. Yeah, I mean, we sort of saw this kind of coming a little bit in the offseason. We were never really in love with this Jacksonville team. It was an uninspiring offseason that they had last year, uh, and, and now it played out the way it did in the regular season. Fraud of the week. Oh, I mean, it's Miami's offense. They've been a fraud for the last four weeks. I mean, they just really, it's all dress up. It's all, you know, when they don't have that explosive plays, when you force them into third downs, where are they going to go? They have no offensive line. Look, the game's changed, but winning the game has never changed. It's about offensive and defensive linemen, and their line isn't good enough. Their defensive line's hurt. But their miss offense, it, it couldn't sustain itself. Or as beautiful as it looked early in the season, it looks bad now. It is what it is. The Bears will draft a quarterback. They have no choice. You know, it's funny. I talked to a bunch of people in the league, especially some defensive coaches. Like, I asked them, what would you do? They all laughed at me. Like, of course they're going to draft a quarterback. Like, all these people that think Fields all of a sudden turned the corner. Like I said, watch the Cleveland game. Watch the Green Bay game. Can he just still do some things? Yeah, no question. He's a really good athlete. Can he make plays in the passing game that he has to make? Good luck. Yeah, we have Dane Brugler on, on the Lombardi line on VEASAN, NFL draft analyst for the Athletic. He said that he would go ahead and draft a quarterback there. He was running the Chicago Bears. If you don't know, now you know. I think Matthew Slater's one of the greatest human beings of all time. He's one of the greatest players that I've ever been around. He inspires you just watching him. You know, you're in the room with him, and he has got an unbelievable, unbelievable ability to transmit positive energy to whomever he's dealing with and understanding his role, making sure he did his role to the best that he could do it to go from a fifth round pick at UCLA, who didn't really play receiver, but to work and to have the career that he had. If there's going to be a guy in the hall of fame for just covering kicks, I vote for Matthew Slater, Slater every single day. Tremendous, tremendous human being. I, I'm proud to say that I was a part of a team that he was on. 
Yeah, and we saw the really cool gesture by the rest of his teammates before the game yesterday. They're wearing all the the Slater shirts and everything like that. You can tell that he's really well respected in that New England locker room there. So uh, definitely a good one there for people who who may not follow football as closely or whatever. Matthew Slater obviously wasn't the the big headliner for the New England dynasty, but definitely an integral part of it uh, there on the special teams unit. Uh, Michael, we got about ninety seconds left. Maybe some early playoff thoughts on on these wild card games. We got six of them, man, oh, and, and the wild card slate is a doozy. You know what I thought interesting? You know, I think everybody is going to be on Green Bay. The line opened at seven, yeah. and it immediately went to seven and a half. And to move a line from seven to seven and a half. It takes a lot. It, it takes a lot. And I would just say, if you just are going to go down that 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 Green Bay road, which Big Daddy's saying, we'll see on that, because he can't wait to watch Barry against that. This tells me something. It really does. It tells me something. I, I don't know what it tells me, but it tells me people who run algorithms know something. And the fact is, when I look at it today, this morning, only 19% of the money has come in, yet that line moved to seven and a half. So no one's betting Detroit either. No one's betting Detroit. And, and that line went from four to three and a half. It took, it took a lot to go to three and a half. You know, I mean, I live in the Philadelphia area. I watched the Philly pre- post-game show. God almighty. I, I mean, you talk about a poor team that got buried. He's had bad one. They killed them. I mean, th- there's a movement here. They want Sirianni fired here. They want him gone. I'm telling you, if they lose on Monday to the Bucks, They're not going to fire him. Come on. He got to the Super Bowl think, last year. I, I don't think they would either, but the Eagles fans are going to definitely be clamoring for it. Oh, they're going to demand it. They want to be heard. I can't wait to get into these postseason games later on on Thursday. That does it for us here on the pod. We'll see you guys Thursday. Subscribe, rate, and review as always.